Hi, I'm Elizabeth Noyce, and you're listening to Supergirl Radio. Radio, your source for all things related to the CW Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. My name is Rebecca Johnson. I'm Morgan Glennon. And for this episode of the podcast, we are going to take a look back at Supergirl's third season. What worked for us? What didn't? What were the highlights? We're going to get into all of that, but before we do that, we need to get to... The news. Supergirl is flying to San Diego Comic-Con. The CW Supergirl is on the schedule with a special video presentation and Q&A on Saturday, July 21st at 3.30 to 4.15 p.m. in Ballroom 20. This presentation will feature Melissa Benoist, Kyler Lee, Makad Brooks, David Harewood, Katie McGrath, Jesse Rath, and executive producers Robert Rovner, Jessica Queller, and Sarah Schechter. So it looks like um, pretty much everybody is going to be present at this uh, Q&A session at uh, SDCC for 2018. So that's very exciting. Very cool. We'll see if I can get on into that room. Maybe I could do some live tweeting. I think I got, I think last year I managed to get in and and live tweet the panel. And I just remembered the amount of notifications was actually so terrifying. Like I switched, <laughs> I switched accounts immediately afterwards and like did not come back. <laughs> I was like, it just keeps happening. <laughs> My battery was like dying. The phone was buzzing. I was like, no, it's too much. <laughs> look, look, people get excited about Supergirl news. So just get ready for it because hopefully we're going to get some really good news for what's happening in season four. Although they probably won't be able to give us too much because they, they seem to be a little tight lipped at these things because they're just getting the season started. But I'm sure we're, we'll get some... Uh, some little tidbits here and there. Uh, so it, it was nice to see that Jesse Rath is going to be there as well, uh, since he is now going to be a season regular, or a series regular, I should say. So that's uh, very exciting. Very cool. Uh, in other Supergirl SDCC news, uh, Supergirl the movie will also have a presence at San Diego Comic-Con. Uh, Warner Archive has announced that their first Comic-Con panel will feature special guests Helen Slater uh, and Mark McClure who was Jimmy Olsen. Uh, the panel will be held on Thursday, July 19th at 4.30 p.m. in room uh, 6DE. The panel is hoping to reveal what's in store for a special edition of Supergirl the movie that's being released on Blu-ray. Uh, this new release will be the film's international cut, remastered in high definition, along with the rare director's cut on a bonus DVD. Uh, look for it to be released on July 24th, 2018, which is actually... Like the what, like the day after Comic Con is over. So if you're just like on the edge of your seat and you're like, I can't wait, 
you don't have to for very long. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I think that someone on this podcast needs to uh, mm. be getting a hold of this Blu-ray and I watch think, all the different I think versions. This Blu-ray, I'm gonna, I, you know what? I'm gonna go hard on it because it's like not only am I gonna go from never having seen it, I'm gonna now have seen like three different versions. <laughs> I'm like, just give me all of them. No, back to back. I want to just keep watching it. Yeah, and you'll get to see it in the highest definition possible available. I'm just going to like go to the panel and be like, could you explain the movie to me? I have never seen it. <laughs> My question is, is it any good? <laughs> and then I'm just escorted out. <laughs> what is Supergirl? What, what is Supergirl the movie? <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, yeah, so maybe that will happen for you at some point <laughs> in your life. <laughs> We'll, we'll try to July twenty fourth. <laughs> um, I think I'm going to take Stella from uh, the Batgirl to Oracle uh, podcast. I think I'm going to take her up on her advice to make that a podcast episode that we do. <laughs> maybe, maybe Morgan will have to do some homework. I'll do a little. I'll do a little research. I'll watch all the different versions. <laughs> I'll, I'll rank my favorites. <laughs> maybe that will be coming. We will see. Uh, well, in other convention news, if you'll be attending Dragon Con this year, which I will be, uh, Supergirl actors Adrian Pazdar and Deachin Lockman will be there as guests. There's a lot of convention news out there. Uh, it's convention summer. It's coming. It's it's kind of here. So that's very exciting. So uh, San Diego Comic Con's coming up. Uh, Dragon Con's coming up. And I'm sure New York Comic Con, I think, is right after that. So lots of convention news there. All right, well, now that we've covered all of that news, uh, we're going to revisit season three of Supergirl. We're going to do our uh, seasonal retrospective and take a look back at the season and, and kind of go over our thoughts about what we thought about it now that we've seen all of the episodes and we've discussed all of the episodes. Let's uh, take a look back at the season as a whole. So, Morgan, let's, uh, let's start with a, uh, a good question. Uh, a positive question. So uh, there were there were things that worked for us, and there were things that maybe didn't work for us this season. But let's start off with the good. Uh, so what were the things about season three that really worked for you um, in this season of Supergirl? Yeah, I think there was a lot of uh, a lot of good things in this season of Supergirl. I feel like it got a little sh- astray at certain points, but I really liked the rain storyline. I liked the way that they, that sort of tied through the whole season. I liked the pacing on it. I thought that they did a really good job of introducing Sam and making us care about her and making her a a character who didn't feel like she had just gotten like shoved onto the show for, to be the villain and then leave. Um, I felt like we went on like a whole really complete journey with that character. Um, so I really liked the rain storyline and how they paced that out. Uh, what else did I like in season three? I liked, uh, having more Lena Luthor. I thought that was pretty cool. I think that she got to do some interesting stuff this season. She got to be a way more sciencey, which was fun. She also got to, uh, she also got to pull a gun on Morgan edge and almost get <laughs> killed a couple times, which is like, she did do that, <laughs> which is basically just like a day that ends in Y for Lena. <laughs> she, she got to really, really get those shoulders out, really show those shoulders <laughs> off. And I appreciated it. Um, so I thought, I thought it was a good season for Lena. Um, what else? else did I like in season three? I feel like there was a, actually a lot that worked for me in season three. I really liked um, 
Jesse Rath as Brainiac. I thought that he was really fun. Uh, I would have liked Imra more if she wasn't caught in the dreaded love triangle vortex. Like, I feel like there was more interesting stuff to that character that we just didn't get to. But I did like Brainiac because he was out of that vortex and he just got to be a person. And I liked, I didn't like his love his makeup, but I did like his character. And I guess they've kind of abandoned the makeup, so I don't have to complain about it anymore. And now you can just complain that they've abandoned the makeup. <laughs> so we yes. Have, we have changed places. I have given you my complaints <laughs> that's a really good that's a really good point about brainiac 5 though he was a fully formed character he was his own character who stood on his own outside of the legion but emra was a disappointment for me even though even though i liked her i wanted more from her and i think that her being stuck in that love triangle sucked a lot of character stuff out of her we did get that stuff with her and her sister and the whole pestilence thing there was a little bit there for her, but when Monel wanted to get back together with Kara, she Emory got shipped back to the future. Yep, they were like away with you. <laughs> yeah, so so we didn't get as much. I, I felt like of her as her own character. So that that's a really good point. Brainy Brainy did stand out in that regard. I'm trying to think of what else I really liked about that. I liked the beginning of this of the. I think I for me. I thought the beginning of season three was stronger than the end of season three. And I liked in the beginning of the season, we got a lot more uh, Danvers sister stuff. Like we got, you know, the sort of the episodes of them talking about Kara's like sort of identity issues, uh, which I think was were a lot stronger in the beginning of the season um, than they ended up being. They got brought back at the end of the season, but I felt like in a way that was a little bit all over the place. But in the beginning of the season, I, I do think that they were playing really well with her, you know, Cara Danvers is gone. And I'm just going to be all Supergirl. And I liked how they sort of played that against Alex realizing that she, that kids were important to her and that breakup with Maggie and how that sort of sent her on a tailspin. So I think that there was like a nice sort of like juxtaposition of the sisters, like both going on these like really like emotional journeys about their identity and their selves and like going back to that, uh, that Midvale episode where you get little, little Kara and little Alex was really cute. Um, so I liked, I liked the Danvers sister stuff, especially in the, the first part of the season. Yeah, I would agree with that. The first half I, I was, I was on board the first like 13 probably episodes i was i was loving supergirl season three i was like they are crushing it <laughs> every episode like I, I couldn't even even that weird culty episode i was like <laughs> there was some good stuff here this is a weird one but i'm into the cult <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i would agree with that that the first half of the season was really strong and the you mentioned Kara and alex and i liked the way that they they wove their journeys. Kara and Alex had two separate things going on, but they were interwoven. Kara was encouraging Alex to uh, do what was best for her in wanting to pursue motherhood and trying to encourage her that one day she will become a mother and she needs to do what she needed to do with Maggie in order to pursue that. And, you know, whatever made Alex happy, Kara was that right there to support her. And when Kara was in her funk about how Kara Danvers sucked and she just wanted to be Supergirl, Alex was right there saying, hey, you know, Supergirl's great and you do a lot of great things for the city, but Kara Danvers is my favorite person. 
and I I want you to come back to Car Danvers. So I think that the way that they wove their two arcs and their their two journeys that they were going into, I thought that was really great. It sort of uh, became isolated at the end of the season. They they sort of drifted apart, but I guess in some ways it needed to for what they were going for. But I think that uh, seeing those two stories uh, overlap like that, I think that that made that really strong for me. Um, in terms of what worked for me, I agree with a lot of what you said. Um, the first half with Kara going through her morning pro- her morning process over Monel and questioning her identity, I thought that was all really strong. I'm a huge Kara fan, so that was really good for me. Um, the Rain and the World Killers. Uh, story as a season-long arc I thought worked really well and the world killers were really cool too I mean they got they got taken out a little fast but when they were around (laughs) when they were around man when Grace was just like I'm gonna die take me (laughs) Grace I think might have been my favorite world killer because she was like no you know what I'm into this evil (laughs) while Rain I felt like was the best villain of the season Pestilence was my favorite I just don't think you can beat uh, the way Pestilence just gave in to the evil like she did. Uh, it was way too funny for me. Um, <laughs> but the, the the way that they played up the, the mystery of who they were. Oh, we've got to find the, the world killers. Oh, we found the one. We found Purity. Now we got to go find Pestilence. I thought that was all really engaging. I was really interested in finding out who these people were and getting to that next step to, to see where they were, were going to go with it. And I was not sure exactly how they were going to defeat all of the world killers by the end of it. So I was uh, I was very curious. I was very engaged as a viewer. So I thought all of that was really well done. And the I, I thought the storytelling in terms of um, the way they utilized the rainforest and how they set that up, that was kind of, it was there and then they used it as a storytelling device. It wasn't just for one episode. It ended up coming back throughout the season and we spent a lot of time in that rainforest. I got a little confused in the finale about uh, the use there. <laughs> but, uh, but the fact that they were able to kind of go outside the usual storytelling devices that the show has used in the past. And they, they were going for something unique and trying to do something new. I thought that was really admirable. So I really liked that part of the, the World Killer storyline. Um, I also was heavily invested in Alex and Ruby's relationship. I thought that that worked really well for me. But, uh, of course, I was disappointed because that seemed to go nowhere. But, uh, <laughs> but, I, but I thought that that was all um, something that I, I kept looking forward to in every episode. So that, that was something that I really liked. Um, Jean and Mirren, or oh, I said Mirren. Marin oh. or Mirin or Mer Space Granddad. Uh, I thought uh, Space Granddad. I thought their relationship was um, really sweet and endearing and uh, heartbreaking. There at the end, uh, I thought all of that was great. I liked the idea of Argo City. Uh, we'll, we'll get to what di- <laughs> what didn't work about that for me um, in a, in a little bit, but. I like the idea of Argo City and Car re- reuniting with her mother. I thought that um, that played fairly well with the the struggle of identity in the season. So there were some really strong things I, I thought that um, that they did in terms of how they set up the storylines for the season and how they tried to hit it with every episode and with all of the characters. So 
Um, in terms of, of that, I thought that was all very, very strong. All right, so we talked about what worked for us in season three. Morgan, uh, what maybe didn't work as well for you? Um, okay, what didn't work as well for me in season three? Um, first and foremost, I guess, the love triangle. The love triangle was bad. It was just bad. It was unnecessary and very bad. <laughs> like, I don't feel like it made anyone look good. Uh, I wasn't interested in it because I've watched television before in my life. So I've seen a love triangle. <laughs> They're all kind of the same. Like once you've seen like 10 of them, you're good. Uh, <laughs> there was really no reason to make Monel come back married if they wanted to play like a romance storyline out with Kara. They could have done the same thing without the marriage aspect and still had Monel choose to go to back to the future. Because it didn't seem like that had anything to do with his marriage at all. Which, poor Imra. Uh, but she she also made the correct choice by being like, you know what? Nah, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like a, a finale of everyone going, nah, I'm good to Monel did soothe my soul a little bit. <laughs> but not enough from that love triangle. It was like, I feel like if you were a fan of Kara and Monel together... That love triangle was obnoxious. If you were not a fan of them together, that love triangle was obnoxious. It just didn't work on any level. <laughs> um, so that was probably if I you asked me what was my least favorite, that would be my number one. Um, my number two would be the Argo City stuff because I feel like there was so much interesting material there and it just felt so shoved into the last few episodes of the season in a way that like almost confused me with like is this really happening or is this a dream like <laughs> it's just she discovers that her you know that there's a part of her society that's left and also it's like her old friends and it's her mom and we just I never felt like we got like a very like in-depth emotional reaction from her even though this is her show and she just found out her mom is alive I feel like it was very sped along like we we didn't spend much time in Argo City we didn't spend much time on how Kara was feeling about it and then it was like go 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 because the villains are gonna do the MacGuffin thing at the end um and I feel like if they were going to bring that Argo City storyline in, they should have given it room to breathe. It just had no room. It was just, this is a thing that's happening right now. Okay, now they're back. Um, and I just feel like it was a, like more of a missed opportunity. Like, I don't know how much of Argo City we'll get next season. Maybe we'll get some more and we'll get to like really dive into stuff. But if that's all we get with Argo City, I'm going to be so sad. Yeah, and I, I think the the fact that you, you mentioned those two things, the love triangle and the Argo City part of the season, I think those are tied together. I think that those two things are interconnected because of the fact that Monel went with Kara to Argo City and part of their reconnection, as it were, happened in Argo City. And mm -hmm. I'm super worried that Kara was going <laughs> to kiss a married man. No, I, I, I agree. It's 100%. Like, I feel like if she had gone to Argo City with any other character, we would get a lot of exploration of how she's feeling about it and how she feels weird and, like, you know, make. She, like that she's not from Argo City anymore, but she's not from Earth and sort of split between two worlds and maybe get some uh, 
interaction between her and her mom but it felt like to me like when she went to Argo City it was just like a vacation she was going on with Monel so that they could stare at each other at a greenhouse and it was really <laughs> I was like that your mom is alive your mom is alive and you're with this dude you see this dude all the time your mom is alive you thought she was dead for your whole life <laughs> like it was just it was very very strange choices that like in like I think primarily in the the, the one episode where she's like more or less in Argo City the whole episode I think she had maybe two scenes with Erica Durance like it was and I'm not Erica Durance's biggest fan so if I'm like there needs to be more Erica Durance <laughs> like you've messed something up <laughs> you've overshot that like the the most important relationship on on that planet should have been her and her mom and I just felt like it got the short shift so that she could like have that romantic tension with Monel, so I a hundred percent agree. I think the the Argo City stuff got a little bit uh, a little bit messed up by the love triangle stuff because it was coming towards the end of the season again. I don't think that the the Argo City stuff should have been towards the end of the season because they're trying to wrap up storylines and they've had this love triangle simmering in the background. They're like, well, this is a perfect opportunity. It's like they're on a road trip, but no, it's not. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> yeah, I know that they set up all of that from the, from the get-go. And I, I think that they, they did a good job to set it up at the beginning of the season and then come back to it at the end of the season. But um, there was something that you mentioned when we talked about these episodes that uh, there was a lack of Kara's perspective. And I think Kara's perspective, especially with these two storylines, as it were, the love triangle and the Argo City thing, I think that's what uh, made me feel especially disconnected from whatever Kara was doing because I wasn't getting I wasn't getting her thoughts on Monel really I wasn't getting her thoughts on the fact that Monel was married I wasn't getting her thoughts on her reconnection with her mom I mean we got a little bit but not a lot we didn't get a lot of thoughts about her being back in. Uh, a, a Kryptonian city. I mean, she was like, hey, yeah, it's great that I don't have to fly around and save people. You know, that this is a nice, vac- like you're talking about, like it's a nice vacation, but there wasn't a lot of um, real in-depth stuff going on there. I think they could have done a lot more character work with Kara. And that's a little disappointing because that is a huge, huge deal for her. Um, and so I think the the lack of perspective from Kara, I think was a, uh, a major downfall for the second half of the season for me is that I, I didn't know what Kara was feeling. I didn't know what she was going through. I didn't know what she thought about all of this stuff. Um, it, it felt like a lot of it was just about how Monel was feeling. Um, and I guess that's, you know, fair because he, you know, he is uh, exiting the canvas of the show by the end of the season. So, you know, we're not going to get more of Monel's feelings. So I guess you have to wrap it up when you do it that way. But yeah, I I think that the the first half of the season did such a good job because there was a lot of Kara's perspective. We got a lot about what Kara was feeling about possibly, you know, sending Monel into that pod to die out in space. We got a lot of her worries about that and her uh, guilt and blaming herself about that. We got a lot of her fears. Um, all of that was so good because we got perspective from Kara. So, um, yeah, a lot of that didn't work for me just because I didn't know what was going on in her brain. I, I agree. I, I felt like we lost a little bit of her perspective towards the end of the season. 
And I, that that was what kind of threw me off with, especially with some of the Argo City stuff, where I was like, I feel like this should be all about you know what's going on with Kara, but I don't even. I feel like I don't even know what's going on with Kara. Yeah, I mean, we got we got a lot about other characters. We knew what Alex was going through. We knew what James was going through. What Wynn had been going through. We got. I mean, we got so much from all these other characters, but there wasn't really anything <laughs> from Kara. So yeah, that that failed big time for me towards the end of the season, uh, to the point where I I wasn't even actively cheering Supergirl on to save the day. I was like, ah, I guess she's gonna save the day. Do whatever you got to do. But I didn't feel any real com- connection to even when Kara was as Supergirl time traveling to go back and save all of her, you know, her mom and her friends who had been murdered by Rain. I, I didn't feel as much as I probably should have because of that. It was good. You know, I was glad that Supergirl saved the day, but I didn't feel, I, f- I feel like I should have felt more of an emotional connection to that moment than I did. Um, and I think that's part of the problem. Um, for me, the only other thing I would mention about what really didn't work for me was the Morgan Edge stuff. <laughs> oh, Morgan Edge. What happened to you? <laughs> I mean, he went to jail, right? So I guess the legal system works pretty well in, in National City. Boom, boom. Cute, <laughs> <laughs> um, the law and order. Um, yeah, I, I've, he was so, he was such a non-entity that I forgot he went to jail. I didn't even remember what happened to him because he just sort of disappeared off of the show. And that was that was a big disappointment for me, because you bring in Adrian Pazdar onto the show, that signals to me that you mean business about this character. And I didn't think he was utilized much at all. He had a little bit of a rivalry there with Lena Luthor, but for what reason? Just to give her some story, I guess? <laughs> I feel like the Lena Luther Morgan Edge rivalry was was pretty interesting, but not developed at all, and then just dropped as many things on Supergirl are dropped. But at least, I, at least it was dropped with the pretext of like, well, he's going to jail now, so at least we know where he is. He didn't just uh, Maxwell Lord out of there. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's true. We do have an idea of where he is at this very moment. He is in prison, um, I don't know what, uh, hmm, yeah, because T. Coville, we don't know what happened to him by the end of the season. Is he dead? We don't know. Um, I was, I was about to wonder <laughs> if, he, if he and, if he and T. Co are going to be roommates in the, in the big house. Oh my God. That would be amazing if we get like a bottle episode next season. It's just T. Co and Morgan Edge, <laughs> like orange is the new blacking. <laughs> <laughs> I would be into that. Uh, yeah. So I, I was disappointed that Morgan Edge, you know, he's such a, he's such a, you know, a, in my eyes, kind of a, a big deal in the comics. And um, he's a big name in the the super mythos. And for him to just kind of come in, do a couple of things, and then go to jail, I was like, well, this feels like that didn't really go anywhere. I, I was expecting him to be more than he was in the season. And that's probably on me for having that expectation. Um, but it just seemed like he was supposed to be more than he was. So, I, w- I would put that down as uh, the Morgan Edge thing didn't work for me uh, because I wanted more from him. And I think that's part of my problem with a lot of the stuff that didn't work for me. I just wanted more of it. The Argo City stuff, I wanted more of it. Uh, the Love Triangle stuff, I wanted less of it. Uh, but, uh, you know, it, I guess that says something about their ideas on the show, that they're good ideas, 
Um, I just wish we could have gotten more from them. So I, I guess maybe that's not necessarily a bad thing, um, but you know, take it, take it as it is. Yeah, I agree. I feel like, I feel like there was an interesting story there that just kind of got shuffled off. And I, I agree with you that there was never any really explanation for why, for like the rivalry just popped up out of nowhere and Morgan Edge and Lena Luther just kind of hated each other. And then it just escalated real quick. <laughs> it just spiraled to a dark place. Like he was like, I'm going to poison the city. It's like, really? Why? <laughs> I'm going to poison we, children. We just met you. This. We <laughs> just met you. You, you. You're not chill at all. Didn't he like put her on a plane? Plane and try to like, crash it. He tried to crash. He tried to crash her in a plane, and I was like, "I mean, I feel like I need, I need more lead up to this. <laughs> this seems pretty drastic. Seems, I mean, you just went from one to a hundred, <laughs> <laughs> turned it all the way up to eleven. It's, it started with some like snarky puns, and then ended with a plane crashing into them. <laughs> like the Delaware or something. It was very strange. Yeah, that was uh, pretty intense um, for uh, a lot of uh, no, no build-up there. Uh, yeah, so I would agree with that. Um, so in terms of the season, in terms of season three, what were the things that really stuck out to you? What were the highlights for you during the season? Could be a scene, could be an episode, could be, uh, you know, just a, a story arc. What, what, what was the thing that when you think about season three that that sticks with you hmm the highlights um i really liked the the episode where like cara was stuck in her own mind i felt like that was a really good cara danvers episode it was a good introduction to the legion particularly brainy and especially now that he's going to be a bigger character on the show i like that they gave some of the characters some nice highlight episodes i like the win episode um Wynn hasn't gotten to do a whole lot. Uh, um, so I liked that we got um, National Treasure. Laurie Metcalf is his mom. <laughs> <laughs> and we learned more about his background. Um, karaoke. That was awesome. Karaoke. <laughs> that was awesome. Um, I liked all the stuff with uh, with Jean and Mirren. I thought that that was a really strong storyline throughout the whole season. Another example of them having like a nice through line through the season I think that they they did a little bit better this season maybe than last season of having uh, like characters have storylines that, that began at the beginning of the season and kind of ended at the end of the season we had Rain and we had um, Jean and we even had Alex the journey that Alex went on um, with the breakup and realizing that she wanted kids and sort of coming to a place where she's like taking on more re responsibility at the DEO um what else? I'm trying to think of how. I mean, obviously, uh, the Jean's uh, cool car that mm, yeah. made, that may. I hope he got it back. I mean, Tico was the last person we saw <laughs> in that car, maybe dead. So I hope he really. I hope. I hope he like he found that car and he was like not creeped out that there was maybe a dead body in it. <laughs> he, he got his ship back <laughs> because the. Uh, I think it was. Was it one of the episodes in the early part of the season where um, Car like is playing Britney Spears in oh, the car? Yes. Yes. That, oh, that was such a good moment. Yeah, she did that on Mars. She, yes, she uh, jam jammed out to Britney Spears on the planet Mars. That was pretty <laughs> That was great. pretty cool. I'm trying to think. I mean, I feel like there was like 
a lot of of good stuff in the season and i i don't sometimes we i i especially can focus a little bit on the negative stuff but there was a lot of really cool moments this season uh we had like the cool moments of like alex and her neat her really cool suits and her uh, many many alien guns and or flamethrowers <laughs> <laughs> um I, I i really liked i liked a lot of what they did this season with with the characters yeah i think that also applies to me as well i tend to focus on like when, especially when the season was over i was like oh that season did not end the way i thought it was going to i think the problem with like looking back at like the, the stuff that that we really liked is that so much of that stuff was from the first part of the season and so much of the the last part of the season is like what's fresher in my mind unfortunately yeah. like i think if we had if we had done this recap around the mid-season i would have been like here's a, a like a hundred things i loved <laughs> yeah i think that that's my problem is that i i think about that stuff there at the end of the season i'm like ugh that was that was not working for me but a lot of the stuff uh that happened in the season there were some good things and i think for me as a supergirl fan there were a lot of things that made me happy in terms of character introductions we got to meet sai i had always wanted sai to come on the show because she's a great supergirl villain uh slash uh frenemy maybe sometimes she helps <laughs> supergirl out in the comics oh i forgot about the live wire episode yes that was such a good one r.i.p uh, r.i.p <laughs> leslie uh yes we got more live wire um we got to meet streaky uh we, i think we had always wanted to see streaky brainiac 5 came on we got to see argo city the world killers, even Selena, who was kind of a disappointment, and that maybe also could have been put under mm. uh, what didn't work for me. I did like the dumb one though, but yeah, uh, Vita, <laughs> I think was her Vita. name. <laughs> yeah, she uh, she was super dumb, uh, but uh, but so there were a lot of good Supergirl elements that I really liked about the season, and those are the things that uh, I kind of think about in terms of when I want to go revisit an episode is. Um, you know, to, to look back and see the interpretation of Argo City and um, getting to see that scene with Kara and Streaky and how emotional that was for her as a character. And I, you, you mentioned the, the episode with Livewire uh, called Fort Roz. I think that run of episodes from Rain, the episode Rain to the episode Fort Roz, I think those were my favorite parts of the season. Mm, yeah, those are so good. Because it was three episodes in a row that I was just like, these are great episodes. And I was just so into to that section of the the season in terms of Kara and what was happening in those episodes. So um, so I think for me, that, that string of episodes were, were the highlights the ones that I wanted to rewatch the most were, were those episodes, Rain, Legion of Superheroes, and Fort Roz. Um, so and when, I th when I think about the season, I think about those episodes. Um, so Morgan, if you were going to put a number on it on this season, I, I guess we could do a letter grade if you wanted to, but I don't know if you want to do, a, you know, out of five evil gazebos <laughs> i uh, absolutely want to do it uh, out of five evil, evil gazebos so so out of five evil gazebos what would you what would you rate supergirl season three hmm. this is a tough okay i think i would give it three evil gazebos and like a half uh a half an ounce of space dirt <laughs> so that's like a like a 3.5 i think it was almost a four i i i just feel like 
if I was just rating the first half of this season, we'd be in the four territory. But the second half of the season, things got funky. Uh, <laughs> things got uh, a little evil gazebo-y. <laughs> um, so I think it was a, I, it's a solid three season, definitely. Uh, there were moments that made it uh, like a 3.5 for me, but... It's hard for me because the stuff that I liked, I liked so much. The stuff that I didn't like, I didn't like so much. <laughs> yeah. so, so it's like the it's the highest highs and the lowest lows, <laughs> basically. <laughs> that is so true. Uh, yeah, for me, if 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 we had talked about this, like uh, if if we had rated the season after our uh, finale discussion, I would have given it like a three. I was really harsh on the season right after it ended, but now that <laughs> but now that I've gone through it and kind of looked back at some of those early episodes, I've seen how they they sort of brought some of those those themes and those connections back at the end, and that does make me appreciate the season a little more. Like, um, oh crap, I always forget what name of the episode it is. I think it's the um, oh, it's episode thirteen. Uh, what is that one called? Crap, I always forget this episode. Um, hold on, I have to look at it because I want to make sure I get it right. Uh, it was something both both sides now, I think it was what it was called. Um, I, I think that's the one at the end. Um, it was one of my, it was my favorite scene of the season where Kara and Alex are sitting in the unnamed alien bar and uh, Alex is... Um, talking to Kara about you know her wanting to have children and Kara's like you will have all the things you'll be a mother you'll find someone you'll have all the things um and in that that scene um Alex asks you know are, are we going to be okay and Kara says yeah we're going to be okay and that's the exact uh two lines that they say in their their final couch scene there at the end of the season right before we get to meet the possible black K dark supergirl slash red daughter <laughs> um in the the russian uh the siberian border um so those kinds of things where they tied it together at the end of the season it, it's it didn't make up for all the things that i didn't like necessarily but it does make me appreciate that they tried to tie things together in the way it was written so i guess having said all of that if I initially was going to give it maybe a three, I could maybe bump it up to a three point seven five. I think it would definitely. <laughs> I think it would definitely have to take off a whole point for the love triangle. That's that's detrimental because I think what people don't realize in the writers' rooms because I think writers like love triangles. I feel like the love triangle is and I'm saying this not as a professional writer but just as some person who watches TV on a couch but I feel like it's like the lazy way to add drama to a relationship where there's like so many other ways that you can spice in a little drama without making everybody involved kind of um kind of a jerk yeah and <laughs> I think that usually happens with a love triangle and I think what I would hope to see from uh, seasons moving forward is because I think what what the strongest uh, the the stronger relationships and the stronger relationship dramas on the show in this season were not even romantically uh, in 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 uh, they weren't they weren't necessarily romantic. You had 
Kara and Alex having some really good scenes. You had Jean and Marin, who had uh, a strong uh, story arc. You had Alex and Ruby and the Sam and Ruby stuff. Like, all of that, even, even Lena and Sam... I thought had some really strong scenes and strong moments together. So I think what I think what the writers <laughs> sort of failed to understand was that the the love triangle stuff was not something we weren't really wanted to watch. But the, I think the things that did work in the season in terms of relationships were all those other connections between the characters. Even the James and Wynn stuff, their friendship had some really good uh, moments in the season. Yeah, I agree. I did. I did like the friendship. Um, between James and Wynn and also the friendship between all of the girls. We had oh, a lot yeah. of really cool scenes of Kara uh, and Alex and Lena and and Sam hanging out and discussing their lives and like I felt like that was really cool and th- another thing that sort of tapered off as the season went along and things got more serious for everybody but I did like that aspect of the beginning of the show where it was like you know, we, we see a lot of Kara as Supergirl. We don't always see a lot of Kara as, like, a, a person who has friends and, like, a social life. So it's <laughs> nice to know that, like, she gets out sometimes and doesn't always just hang out with, like, the same three people who happen to work at the DEO, one of whom is related to her. So <laughs> so it was, it was nice to see her, like, you know, hanging out, having a glass of wine with, like, her friends. Yeah, and I think that's so important for the character of Kara because being Supergirl 24 hours a day, she tried to do it there at the beginning of the season. And it just, she became a a cold person who didn't want to have time for her friends and her sister. And it just was not somebody I think she really wanted to be. She, she did it because she thought that would make her feel better. But I think for Kara, she needs those kinds of relationships. So it is nice to see when she does get to have those moments. So I think for me, when I think about those character connections, I think about the things that I liked about this season, the things that uh, really uh, make me want to rewatch a lot of these episodes. I would bump it up to about a 3.75. It it didn't necessarily make that four four evil gazebos. Uh, just because some of that <laughs> stuff with the love triangle I thought was so unnecessary and it really dragged a lot of the season down for me. Uh, so, but that's that's an improvement from in uh, having thought about the season uh, over the last uh, couple of weeks. I guess it's been almost two weeks now. I guess it's been two yeah. weeks since the finale aired. So uh, having it's kind of crazy to think of how how late in (laughs) this this season went like all the way into june yes it was it was very long we also had a a huge hiatus there in the middle of the season so um so you had to stick it out with this one i mean season three (laughs) required a lot of your attention uh because some of the storylines were a little complicated you had to really focus up on some of the things that they were doing and uh you know it it definitely required uh, viewers and fans to stick with them. And I think, you know, for a lot of it, it was rewarding for me to to stick it out. Some of the things weren't uh, exactly rewarding just because I didn't like them. But I think the, the show did a good job to, you know, get from point A to point B. Um, so it did accomplish that mission. So, um, so having thought about it the last couple of weeks, I would give it a, a higher rating than I would have at the end of the season. <laughs> so I think that says something about season three that if you go back and you revisit it, it does, I think, for me at least, get a little stronger. So uh, maybe if I 
if I uh, give it some more time, maybe I, maybe it could get to a four. Maybe it would. Maybe it would keep climbing the charts. Um, <laughs> but for right now, I think I would give it 3.75 evil gazebos. All right. Um, Such a good rating system. <laughs> I don't know if we'll keep that as our, our rating system for every episode, but maybe we need to have an episode rating system for every week um, when we watch Supergirl. I mean, I, I stand by, I feel like that gazebo is coming back. I stand <laughs> by it. Season four, main villain. <laughs> I mean, if we do get to go back to Argo City, we're going to need an update on Thara's gazebo and what the progress is being made because they, they had to do some renovations to it. So... It could, I mean, we, you don't want to write it off. It could come back. I think that's going to do it for our look back at Supergirl Season 3. But uh, we also have an email from a listener named Susan who writes, quote, I feel like this season was two different shows. The first half was great. It got back to the roots of being character-driven, focused on Supergirl and the core Alex Carr relationship. The second half lost most of that and fell back on some of the mistakes of the prior season. Very little Kara Danvers outside of Supergirl, and once again, way too much time spent on the Kara Monel relationship, which will never be something I root for. Uh, and in parentheses, uh, writes, I, v- I vacillate between Mon Negative and Mon Must Disappear <laughs> right now, <laughs> which is a new uh, addition that's, to the Mon scale. Yeah, that's a that's a really extreme version of Mon Negative. <laughs> would, would that go under? Uh, I guess it would go above Mon Apathetic. Oh, yeah, that's that's way I feel like that's past Mon negative. Like you've gone off the scale a little bit and into a whole new realm. <laughs> so we'll have to add Mon must disappear right now to the Mon scale. So we'll do, we'll do that for Susan. Uh, but Susan continues uh, uh, saying, and they are obviously going to drag that silliness out further next season. Otherwise, why spend the screen time to break up his marriage? Uh, I don't know, Susan, if they are. It feels it, it feels like Monel is gone from the show at least for now he could come back i guess in future seasons it feels like your uh, your half of the scale might be okay right yeah, now yeah i think uh <laughs> i think that uh was fulfilled uh so we'll we'll see we'll see what happens with monel in the in the future um pun i guess sort of intended uh <laughs> but i don't know that we're gonna see monel maybe come back in season three i'm not anticipating that as of right now uh susan also goes on to say the writers seem to have no issue with undermining the core idea of the strong independent female hero Carr's relationship with monel took over her relationship with alex in the story I mean, in the finale, Alex talked to Lena, not Kara, about her thoughts and feelings about being a mom. Does Kara even know at this point that Alex almost quit to go have a kid? And they essentially made a major element of Kara's core emotional makeup disappear when they brought her mother back, which basically leaves more boy angst for her. That is not the same show I watched and loved for the first half of the season, unquote. Uh, And so I'm going to stop right here on Susan's email because I do think uh, Susan makes some good points about how um, Kara's other relationships got pushed to the the back burner with the Monel stuff because they had to get to that by the end of the season. They set it up at the beginning and they had to come back to it. So some of those things got dropped. And yeah, there were some things with Alex and Lena. They they kind of put them together because they were the the people in the DEO trying to take care of Sam because I think both of them were connected to Sam in a way that they wanted to both be there for her. So I think it it made sense. But yeah, we again, it goes back to that lack of perspective. We didn't we didn't get more of Kara uh, helping Alex with her situation with wanting to have a kid and, and being there um, for Ruby. I was kind of hoping that we would get more Kara and Ruby stuff. 
um, because I would I would love to see Supergirl interacting with kids. Yeah, that would be really uh, cool. And so I'm sorry we didn't get to see that. But I guess if Alex does become a mom, uh, maybe we'll get to see Aunt Kara at some point. Um, so let's finish out Susan's email. Susan says, I know enough about TV to recognize the impact of the unexpected and sudden loss of a showrunner in the middle of the season. So I'm willing to cut the show a break for the issues with the second half of season three. And the first half shows they are capable of producing a great show. They also set up some intriguing possibilities for a season four. Alex as director, although slightly less fun with when not around as much. Lena as a potential villain once again. So I am hoping and hopeful that they get the right person in next season to put the show on a more consistent and more balanced path, unquote. Yeah, and I think that's something that I keep in um keep in mind for my thoughts about season three as well as I'm trying to give it the show a little grace because they did have that long hiatus that they had to kind of figure out what they were going to do in the second half and so we we don't really know what happened in the behind the scenes of everything so maybe there was a you know shake up in terms of storytelling and they had to rework some things uh so maybe that's kind of why why some of those hiccups happened uh, but I, I think they, they have an idea of where they want to go in season four. And I think that's a good sign because I would be worried if they had no plan, but it seems, <laughs> but it seems like they do have an idea of where they want to take the next season. So that makes me hopeful, even though I'm not crazy about another evil Kryptonian. <laughs> I know I was hoping for something different. I mean, at least we didn't get a pod. I we, mean, that was a, a pod free finale. It could have been worse. <laughs> uh, so so even though I'm not crazy about it, at least I know that they have a story that they want to tell. And that's that's something I'm looking forward to. And we have an email from Emily who writes, I really, really liked season three until about the time Argo City was introduced. <laughs> Everything from then on felt so rushed and not well thought out. I will give them the benefit of the doubt that maybe the behind the scenes adjustment with Kreisberg being fired and all had something to do with it. I don't know, but I also feel like they had plenty of time to get it together with the extended scheduling. I did feel like their first several episodes back in April and May were fairly strong, except I didn't love the episode about Wynn and his mom, uh, but it just went downhill after that. So I was thinking about what suggestions I would have to improve Supergirl for season four. I'm no expert on making a television show, but I do watch my share of TV, so I know what I like. Uh, <laughs> and then she gave a little smiley face. Uh, that's how I play it, too. Um, okay. She says, first and foremost, the show needs to slow the heck down. Um, word. Uh, too many characters, too many disparate storylines, too much running from one villain to the next. I understand this is a superhero show and there needs to be plenty of action and that's fine, but they are missing all the character notes in between. How did Kara feel about seeing her mom again, besides the obvious? How did Wynn deal with the death of Demos, other than feeling bad at the end of that one episode? How is Kara interacting with Lena now that Lena has shown her distrust of Supergirl? We don't know because they move on to the next crisis so quickly that those moments never get played out. Uh, along those same lines, I agree with Morgan that the show does spend a good amount of time setting up some storylines only to not follow through with them. The Kara, Monel, Imra triangle, like... Why? <laughs> Which is one of my favorite things. Um, or the build up with Alex and Ruby. And now Ruby's gone. Um, and now we have the conflict between Lena and Supergirl. I'm assuming this will come back around next season. 
But who knows with this show? (laughs) (laughs) This kind of thing is not a sign of a well-crafted show. It's throwing out ideas and not having a clear interconnected through line across the season. Uh, Finally, we need more Kara. I love Supergirl and seeing her do her thing, but we need more of Kara doing her thing at CatCo and with her friends. We didn't get nearly enough of her in the back half of the season. I need the balance to be able to keep identifying with this character. So those are my thoughts. What are your thoughts on how to improve this show for next year? Well, Emily, I think the thing that you pointed out about how the show needs to slow down and and deal with character moments is such a good one. That, I think, is why Midvale was such a big hit with basically everybody who was a fan of the show. Because we got to see Kara and Alex as adults deal with some very heavy things that were something maybe Alex, you know, especially didn't want to deal with. She didn't want to, uh, you know, go back home and and deal with her loss of Maggie in her life. But she did, and she did it with Kara and with um, her, her being back at home. And then we got to see those characters as kids deal with something together. And, and, and that was a... It it was it wasn't a really action packed episode. Midvale. It had some stuff there at the end with the sheriff and and uh, Car having to rescue Alex, but there wasn't a lot of action. But it was a really good episode because it was very character heavy, very character centric. And when I think about my favorite shows, Lost, Thirty Rock, even they had a lot of character moments. Um, and that's what makes you connected to the characters. And when I get attached to characters like that, I will go with them anywhere. I will do anything with those characters. If I feel like I have an emotional uh, connection with a character, I, I will watch any story they're a part of. When I think about Lost, Lost, yeah, they had smoke monsters. There was some time <laughs> travel. Um, you know, there was there was a plane crash and a lot of things that happened. But a lot of the show is them walking through the woods talking about stuff and, you know, sitting on the beach talking about stuff. And those are, you know, one of my favorite scenes. I don't want to spoil it if you haven't watched Lost, but you really should. So go watch it. I mean, what have you been waiting for? What have you been doing with (laughs) your life? What have you been doing your your entire life? My God. (laughs) Go watch Lost. But one of my favorite scenes in that whole show is with, it's in season five. I think it's the LaFleur episode, if we're getting real specific about it. (laughs) When Juliet is sitting on the dock at night. Oh, I love love that. James comes up and they have this talk and it's so simple. They're just two people talking on a dock. There's nothing really happening, but it's such a good scene. Even if you think about Lost in some of its like crazier, more trippy plot centric stuff like the stuff that ha- i'm not gonna spoil lost for anybody who hasn't watched it again what have you been doing what for your are life? you doing but, <laughs> but you know the constant is one of the ultimate lost episodes that people still talk about being one of the best episodes that episode would not work in any conceivable fashion if you didn't care about the characters involved it would just be like oh that's a neat trick yeah. But if you weren't invested in that in Desmond and that love story, you would just be like, okay, and it wouldn't be an episode that people still talk about however many years later. It's it's I agree. It's so much about the characters. I will go, I will make some logic leaps if I love the <laughs> character. I will I will I will nod at that evil gazebo and I <laughs> I will be there with you 
across the weirdest stuff if I if I care about the characters because the characters are really what hooks you in and what like brings you through. A great plot is is also kind of essential, but good characters can paper over a weak plot. But I feel like weak plot can't like even the best plot doesn't really paper over thin characters. So I feel like they really do have to spend more time on these characters who they have great characters. That's the thing. It's just that they spend so much time, like, uh, like Emily said, rushing from thing to thing that they just don't give the characters any time to breathe and just be people. Yeah. I think that's a really, really good point, especially with season three, they focused would, and I, I, I like that they focused on the world killer stuff. I liked getting to know the mythology behind how the world killers are created and getting to see the Kryptonian witches and all of that. But they did spend a lot of time on the plot. Um, And I can understand why they did. It was kind of a complicated thing. You had to understand what was going on in order for it to work. So I totally get that. And I think the the constant is a really good example. I, I remember reading like it took the writer's room on Lost. It took them like five weeks to break that episode. And that's actually a really long time for a TV show to do. They had to spend a lot of time in order to break that episode down because uh, there there are some elements in that episode that are you have to stay with it. You have to understand what's going on in that episode in order for it to work because you kind of go in between different timelines and different time periods and you have to stay there with the character. But you're going through that experience with Desmond. And so you're right, you're 100% right, Morgan, you have to be connected to that character in order to make those leaps into the plot. So I, and P.S., The Constant is not only just thought of as one of the best TV shows of Lost, it's considered one of the best TV shows of all TV, like of all Oh, time. yeah, yeah, it's on all those lists for like best, one, best episode ever. Yeah, so I, I think that's such a good example. And I, I guess because I'm a huge Lost fan, I, w- I would like to think of that as a good example. But the, the fact that you have to be connected to these characters, I think is an important thing for any TV show. I mentioned 30 Rock, like 30 Rock is a, jo- is a joke delivery system. They, they, uh, T- Tina Fey mentioned it as a, uh, as a uh, uh, like a sardine can, she just wanted to stuff as many jokes as she could <laughs> into an episode, like like stuffing sardines in a can, and that was how they thought about Thirty Rock. But you also got these really great scenes between Jack and Liz, where they would talk about Jack's fear of being an actor. You know, those kinds of things um, are so important to make you care about the characters, and that's what I hope will happen in season four is that we'll get more from Kara, especially we'll get more uh, character stuff from all of these characters. We've, they built up the James Lena relationship, which actually I should have mentioned that in the season three discussion that surprisingly worked for me because I think now we're tying this back together. And what, <laughs> what I think we're discovering about this season is that James and Lena they had some character moments between the the two of them in terms of being honest with each other and, you know, figuring out uh, identities and what each other was up to. And those moments, I think, really connected me to that relationship. When at the beginning of the season, I was like, I don't know about this. I don't I don't think I'm gonna like this. But by the end of the season, I cared about them as a couple. I was not (laughs) expecting that. But I think the fact that they were honest with, with each other and they had moments that they shared together and that they were uh, 
on a deeper level in terms of their characters interacting, I think that sort of connects me to that relationship. So there is something to be said, I think, about um, spending time with those characters and not just moving them across a like a chessboard trying to get to the next thing. So, um, Morgan, do you have any other thoughts about what you would do to improve the show in season four? I honestly think that that just what we were talking about, just spend more time with the characters, slow things down, deepen those relationships so that we really, really care so that when you want to hit something, it actually hits us emotionally instead of being like, and then off to the next thing. Uh, I think just focusing on the characters, focusing on Kara, you know, it is her show. Uh, she should, she doesn't have to be in the Supergirl uniform all the time. I would like to see more Kara Danvers in season four. Cause I feel like we definitely, uh, lost her a bit. Like when she decided to go move to Argo city, like maybe forever Z, uh, <laughs> there was one scene of her. It was a montage of her leaving the newspaper for on assignment or something. Uh, but that's how important Cara Danvers was to the show at that point that like, they didn't even have to show her leaving work or saying goodbye to her friends because so much of her life is just Supergirl stuff at this point. Um, and I feel like, you know, the first season wasn't perfect, but it had a better mix of Supergirl and Cara Danvers. And I feel like that's a place where I really feel the loss of Calista Flockhart and Cat yeah, Grant oh yeah. because yeah. You know, you couldn't lose Cara Danvers when Cat Grant is yelling at Kira. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I feel like they need to find their their way back to that somehow. I want more of a balance between those two those two characters because I don't. You know, it's it's fun to see Supergirl. You know, doing her Supergirl stuff, but like I also want to see Kara, and I feel like some of the stuff about losing her perspective at the end of the season was just because it was so. Supergirl focused she was almost never out of that costume yeah and I think for me it, like for me personally if I'm going to care about what Supergirl is doing I need to care about Kara I need to care about Kara as a as a person whether whether you think of her as Kara Danvers or Kara Zor-El it starts with who she is truly before before you even get her in the cape so I think you have to care about her as an individual, as a character, um, before you think about her as a superhero. So I, I think that's a really, really good point. Well, and our last email comes from Autumn, who sent in some theories about the Kara who showed up on the, Siber- the Siberian border at the end of season three. Autumn writes, quote, maybe the Kara that was in Russia was the future Kara. When Supergirl turned back time because of the mistakes she made, she messed up the future, creating two Kara's. We don't know if this one is even evil, or could she be another world killer or a Kara from Earth X, unquote. So there's a couple of uh, theories in there. I I don't know if she could be, I guess she's maybe half a world killer, uh, because it seemed like she was created partially out of Sam slash Rain, so I guess she could be, um, but they they may be done. They may be finished with the world killers uh, at the end of season three. Um, the the future thing is an interesting theory as well, just because uh, it was at the heels the the heel of uh, Kara dealing with time travel and and using that and that being what kind of sort of creates uh, this other Kara. Um, and it's also a good thing to point out that this, this car at this point, we don't know that she's evil. She did wear a black blanket. <laughs> that's, uh, that's not a good sign. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying good people don't really have a lot of black 
in their wardrobe. If she was if she was wearing a lot of like heavy eyeliner, we would know for sure. It was, she would be one hundred percent evil. We she would have would be no question. So evil. <laughs> so um, or even like a like a dark lipstick. I think that's also a giveaway. So uh, so that is something to look for. Um, and Earth X. I think we've already met the car from Earth X. Uh, which was the Overgirl character. So I think we can maybe uh, nix the car from EarthX, but there, there are some good ideas in there. Yeah, we'll have to see what, what happens with this other car because we don't have a lot of information on her. We just know that there's another one who showed up uh, on the Siberian border. So that's definitely something to look for in season four. And before we wrap up, we have some season four related snap judgments uh, sent in by Danae. Okay. In the game of snap judgments, each person is presented with two options, but must only choose one. First instincts are recommended and explanations are unnecessary. Are we ready? We are ready. I'm ready to snap go. judgments. Okay. In season four, would you rather see the return of Lucy Lane or an introduction of Lois Lane? Uh, Lois Lane. Oh, yes. Lois Lane. <laughs> um, not that I don't want to see Lucy again. I mean, I, I, mean I, would. I would take Lucy Lane if, if that was also an option. But <laughs> in terms of the snap judgment, I would say Lois Lane. Okay. Which villain should Lena team up with in season four? Psy or Roulette? Oh, I really I like this idea of roulette. Uh, that I that could be an interesting uh, dynamic there. So I'm gonna go roulette. Roulette seems really cool. I mean, I want to say Sai, but roulette seems like really awesome. Like <laughs> I feel like they would have like a really cool underground poker game going on, like almost immediately. Also, the wardrobe choices uh, between that was the two of them. <laughs> roulette would have like slits up to everywhere. Lena has. <laughs> Shoulders out, <laughs> shoulders, power shoulders out. You know, it's it's going to be, there's going to be so much looks that they're serving. I just want to see that. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think that is definitely a dynamic I would like to see. Cut out everywhere. <laughs> uh, okay, last snap judgment. Which needs to, <laughs> sorry, I read it. It's really good. Um, <laughs> which needs to happen in season four? Kara writing one article. <laughs> or James taking one picture. <laughs> oh my god, I'm like actually crying. <laughs> this is great. Okay, that's uh, a, such a good mm, question. So valid. This is uh, this is a tough one. A this single is... article or a single <laughs> just, picture? Just just, just, <laughs> just one. one. Janae's not shooting high. She knows them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, low expectations here is all we're talking about. Um. <laughs> Oh, man, that's tough. Do we even know if James has a camera? I mean, it did. It did break. I don't know if he's got he's got more than that one. I mean, we did see other cameras in his office. But Uh, what if they're all like display cameras? Like they don't even work. They're like it's like an old timey camera. Like he gets out like one of those old timey photo booths where he's like, stand still. (laughs) (laughs) The flashbulb has to charge. (laughs) I would be into that. He needs to have one of those. Um, mm, hmm. I, I, I'm going to have to go car writing one article, but that's, that's tough. This is, this is a, an extremely tough one. And while I feel like I should agree with you, I don't feel like James has taken a single picture in two seasons. And I just feel like he needs it more. Listen, he he's just <laughs> living under that desk. 
he doesn't have a home. <laughs> let's let's get him one picture. Maybe with that money, he can buy himself like a nice <laughs> shelf for under the desk you know, just for organization and stuff. I mean, I feel like his talent is going to waste a little bit. <laughs> just a bit. He, just a bit. He built up such a career at the Daily Planet. He had that famous picture of Superman. And what is it? What is he doing now? What is he doing? He's just he's just uh, doing performance reviews of people at, at Catco, and he's uh, going out in the streets at night as Guardian. What what is he doing with his talents? I mean, his camera broke, and he just became a vigilante. It happened that quickly. <laughs> so I just want to see him get back in the game, mix it up a little bit, take a picture. My camera broke. I, I guess I just got to give up my dream of uh, being a photographer. Listen, James, it's 2018. You have an iPhone. Like, just put a filter put a filter on instagram for me if it was me and i was a vigilante out on the streets which would (laughs) never happen because i'm not that strong nor do i have that dedication but if it was me and i did have my iphone with me i'd still be taking pictures i'd still be like oh like this is a great shot i'm gonna still (laughs) take this picture uh so i feel like james should be doing that just what if next season uh, like james's storyline is that guardian starts an instagram account that becomes like really famous and then but then he like becomes an influencer and his instagram posts also start becoming ads for like vitamin water (laughs) i want that to happen so much I want Guardian to have an Instagram. (laughs) It's like, it's hard out there defending the streets (laughs) with my vitamin water. And then at the end, it's like, hashtag ad. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. I really, because the show show could take advantage of that because they could create an official Guardian Instagram account. I would follow it. I would, too. Look, we're just throwing out free ideas here. These are just a little, like, some missed opportunities. We call them, like, (laughs) cross-promotional. I mean, work some of this viral marketing (laughs) into the show's promotion. You could have a website, caradanvers.com, where she's, Cara's doing some blobbing. This, this, we got a blob. We, this one snap judgment could be incorporated into ways the show could promote itself. Caradanvers.com, she could write that one article. That one article yeah, that could one be article up on the website. <laughs> and then James could take that one picture and post it to Instagram. That's, I mean, I feel like this he, should happen. They start an Instagram account, but it just has the one picture. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> they never update it again. <laughs> oh, man. We've come up with some good material for season four. I, I hope someone is listening. No judgments on your snap judgments. We've given them some ideas that <laughs> they can just take with them as they, they go into the beginning of the season. Whew. These oh. are for you, free of charge. Free <laughs> ideas. All right, well, thank you, Danae, for that incredibly <laughs> difficult snap judgment. One of my favorite snap judgments we've ever got. <laughs> I mean, I don't know that I I've heard Morgan laugh it. so much. <laughs> Um, yeah, that one was really tough because I think we both, I think we both maybe want to see <laughs> both of those things happen. Um, but yeah, good stuff. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for this episode of Supergirl Radio. If you would like to contact us, you can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. If you'd like to uh, email us, you can do that at supergirlradio at gmail.com. You can also call and leave us a voicemail at 678-718-7252. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram because we have an Instagram that we do update 
occasionally. Uh, <laughs> uh, so uh, Guardian could take some notes from that. Um, and you can find all of those social media accounts at Supergirl Radio. You can listen to us at uh, on Google Play, iHeartRadio, and on Spotify, where we also have a playlist that includes music featured on the show. And we are also listed on DC's fan page, which you can find at dccomics.com slash dc-fans. And we are available on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher Radio. So if you have some time, we encourage you to give us a rating and write us a review. And thanks to user Autumn Lloyd for writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks so much for doing that. Supergirl Radio is part of the DC TV Podcast Network. So if you also like... Arrow, The Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, iZombie, Black Lightning, Krypton, Titans, and classic DC TV shows. You can subscribe to DC TV Podcasts on Apple Podcasts and follow at DC TV Podcasts on Twitter and like DC TV Podcasts on Facebook. Yes, you can do all of that. Uh, uh, lots of great shows. I know all, uh, I think all of them are wrapped up except Titans will be coming up sometime. We don't know when question, question mark. mark, question mark, but guess what? You can listen to the podcast and it's like better than watching the show because like it's not on yet. So, <laughs> and, and they will let you know when the show is, is they will let you know the very second that show is on. Um, so I think, uh, we're all kind of in hiatus mode, uh, for right now, but still lots of good stuff, uh, being pumped out. So make sure to, uh, check out the DC TV podcast mega feed. You can get all of the shows in one place. And we also have a T public store, uh, which you can find the link for on supergirlradio.com at the top of the page. We've got some really cool stuff. All your favorite uh, DC TV shows, uh, especially on the CW, are present. We've got Supergirl stuff. Uh, we've got a, actually, uh, we teamed up with Comicer Girl to uh, create a Livewire t-shirt. Uh, well, a Livewire design, I should say. You can get it in uh, many forms uh, other than just a t-shirt. Uh, but we have a, a, a live and wired uh, with Leslie Willis uh, t-shirt. So that's in the store now. So you can uh, definitely go check that one out. I think it's really cool myself. Super cool. Uh, uh, so I will definitely be uh, purchasing that one. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but we've got all of that stuff Supergirl related. We've got Arrow stuff. We've got Flash stuff. We've got, uh, what am I missing? Legends of Tomorrow. We've got all the Bebo that you could per- you could possibly need. Um, in various <laughs> forms, we've got Bebo pillows, we've got Bebo mugs, we've got, uh, I think we've even got like Bebo iPhone case, uh, cases. If <laughs> Have you're you ever that. wanted your whole house to be Bebo? <laughs> don't do that. But if you want it to do that, you can get it at our store. Again, you shouldn't do that though. <laughs> I mean, but, but you could. But you could, and you should do it with our store. <laughs> yes. So you can go to supergirlradio.com and at the top of the page, you can find a link to the T Public store. And if you want to follow me, you can do that on Twitter at DerbyKid and uh, on Instagram at the TheDerbyKid. Bought a new camera recently, so I've been trying to take some pictures. Uh, so you can follow me there. Um, and you can see some videos I've shot and edited, which I really want to get back to. Uh, get some new content on my YouTube channel. You can do that at youtube.com slash duckmilkprod. I'm also a contributor to JLU Podcast, which you can find at jluniverse.podomatic.com. I also do a little voice acting on a podcast called The Fakest. So if you want to hear that, go check that out. And uh, if you want to hear me talk about, actually, uh, specifically more of Supergirl Season 3, I recently was a guest on a podcast called Multiverse Musings, a DC Comics podcast with uh, Jordan Valdez on episode number 43, where we talk all about Supergirl Season 3. So you can check that out. <laughs> 
Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Mojotastic. That's M-O-J-O-T-A-S-T-I-C. Uh, I will be going to San Diego Comic-Con next week. So if you're at San Diego Comic-Con and you see me and recognize me for some weird reason, just say hi. <laughs> say hello. Um, I, I won't run away. I promise. Um, <laughs> I won't recognize you, but I won't run away. Uh, <laughs> um, I Hopefully I will be able to do some of this Supergirl stuff at Comic-Con, uh, the pre-Comic-Con sh- like craziness is is beginning to start now. They don't send out stuff until basically when you're at Comic-Con, you know, so that the stress level is is low. Um, <laughs> so you can really plan your your convention in like a stress-free environment. They wait until the day before. So so hopefully I'll get to do some cool Supergirl stuff while I'm there, and uh, maybe I'll get to take over the the Twitter account for a little while and be horrified by all the notification. I I think you should. (laughs) Um, uh, you can also find me on the Legends of Tomorrow podcast, uh, which speaking of Comic-Con, all of the legendary ladies will be at Comic-Con. Nice. So we're going to be having some like legendary lady reunions. It's going to be a fun times. And then I will assume that we will at some point podcast about what we did at Comic-Con. Um, (laughs) question mark about when but we'll figure (laughs) it out you know just just subscribe and then um like magic an episode will drop from the heavens (laughs) who knows when (laughs) um and then uh, i actually did a little bit of voice acting nice on fakest as well i don't i haven't so i'm i feel like a bad voice actress i haven't caught up on the podcast yet so i don't know if my if i've dropped yet but uh (laughs) It's a uh, it's not great voice acting, so I'm sorry about that. But the show is very funny, so you should check out the fakest anyway. That's awesome. I I, I suggested uh, that Morgan be involved because you're very funny. Um, <laughs> so I I anticipate hearing uh, what you bring to the to the fake news podcast. Uh, that's very exciting. Yeah, it is. It is a it is a funny silly podcast. So everybody should check it out. And I I do have a, a request for the legendary ladies. At San Diego Comic Con, okay. Uh, because yeah. last year you all uh, took this picture that <laughs> is one of my favorite pictures that anyone has ever taken on the planet, where you recreated like a a like a wedding bridal. Oh my god, photo our bridal shoots. photo. <laughs> yes, that was I. I believe that was Amy's idea. So we were trying to take a photo of all of us uh, to like, to post online, and Amy was like, "You know what? We should take one of those bridal." like those bridal shots where like everybody is laughing and it's really fake looking. And so that's what we did. We all like just pretended to laugh like, <laughs> and we took a picture and it came out so funny. <laughs> so I just, I need, I, you might not be able to top that picture. Cause that was too good. We might not be able to, there was, there was an element of just like of, of amazing wonder at that moment. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like we have to, we have to do like uh like part two, like yeah. two, too fast, too bridal. <laughs> yeah, I, I, th- I feel like there is a follow-up that is needed for that picture. So please document uh, some sort of shenanigans that you do there. That's perfect. We will definitely do that again. That was hilarious the first time. So good. So good. All right. Well, uh, I I guess uh, that's going to wrap it up for us. And even though season three of the, of the Supergirl show is over, come and hang out with us this summer because we have lots of content coming your way in Supergirl Radio Season 3.5. But until then, I'm still Rebecca Johnson. And I'm still Morgan Glennon. And thanks for watching another season of Supergirl with us. 